Hello again, everyone. Welcome back to the Extra Point Podcast. My name is Todd. I'm one of the pastors at First Family Church in Ankeny, Iowa. And I'm so glad you've joined us for this September 8th episode. And I'm especially excited for this episode as well as the next three, as we'll be centering in on the current series that we just started uh, on the previous Sunday. Uh, the series is entitled The Countercultural Church or The Counterculture Church. Uh, and we're looking at one specific way that we are counterculture, and it's the requirement, the mandate to exercise, exercise church discipline within our body. To that end, we'll be preaching um, throughout the month of September, and we'll also be aiming this podcast to helping expand those messages and bringing more insight into this topic. Today, I'd like to just answer a couple of questions that have come in on our question line and then provide just a little bit more insight into one of the areas that I mentioned on Sunday. So let's begin and jump right into one of the questions that came in. Uh, This person asked, how do we balance the instruction to judge fellow believers? I think they're meaning there the instruction in 1 Corinthians 5. How do we balance that with Matthew 7? that cautions against judgment of a brother? And a very good question. Appreciate it so much. I would say that Matthew 7 does not tell us not to judge, and perhaps they know that because they use the word caution here. But it just says, realize that when you judge, you'll be judged in the same manner and in the same way. And so he says in the passage in Matthew 7, in fact, to take the log out of your eye um, before you go and and speak with someone or try to remove their speck. Of course, it's a metaphor. And he's saying that hypocritical judging, hypocritical discernment uh, is useless. And so I would say to this question, Matthew 7 does not tell us not to judge. It just says to make sure we judge correctly and discern properly. And the way to do that is to look at our own life first to make sure we don't have a fault and unconfessed sin and areas that we're not dealing with before we go to someone about an area that perhaps they're not dealing with. So it's it's all about discerning and judging and helping correctly. It's not saying we're never to do it. Um, another question that came in asked this question um, that basically is 1 Corinthians 5 reserved for those who continue in a sinful lifestyle without repentance? They're asking here about Galatians chapter 6 where Paul says, you know, to restore someone who's fallen. And I think this is a good observation. I would echo what this person asked, that yes, 1 Corinthians 5 is speaking of someone who's who's not repentant of their sin, whereas Galatians 6 is speaking of the person that you go to in a humble way to restore them, and they're, they, they realize, wow, they've been overtaken in a sin, overtaken in a fault. And so they're looking for restoration now. They, they see their error, their sin, and they're humbly accepting your correction and so in light of that uh, there would not be a need in fact for church discipline in this excommunication way they're repentant that's what we do in the body we we're constantly repenting and and confessing our sins but to the person who doesn't repent and holds on to blatant known long-term sin the bible does say that the ultimate end of that is a first corinthians 5 uh, type of exercise in which there's a an excommunication or a removal. So I would say, yes, you're right. There's a difference there, and we don't excommunicate those who live a lifestyle of repentance. Now, let me just bring a little further insight into something that I mentioned, which I think 
uh, is is counterintuitive at times. I I made the point in my message that based on the reading of 1 Corinthians chapter 5 verses 1 and 2 Paul is clearly more um, astounded and we could even say upset at their response which was one of pride and arrogance he's more astounded and upset at that response than he is at the actual sin and here's why I make that statement because the bulk of the chapter is explaining how they should respond. It's not really debating the sin or going into great detail about the sin or how it happened or who the man is. The real bulk of the teaching is, in light of the sin and the sorrow that you should have about it, be moved to action, and here's the action you should take. And Paul is, is completely taken aback that they have not responded. So I would contend again. Paul is more astounded and upset and shocked at their attitude about the sin and towards the sin than he is even the sin itself. Now, if that catches you a little funny or, or at, you know, like uh, makes you do a double take, let me remind you that this is precisely the message that John gives in his first epistle, chapter 1, especially between verses 5 and 10. I'd encourage you to take some time to read that. And in there, John makes this statement. He says that if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. And so John makes it clear everyone deals with sin. And he says you shouldn't try to hide it, but instead you should confess it and you should walk in the light. And as we walk in the light, which is having an honest and open attitude about our sin, he says, then we have fellowship with each other and with God and the blood of Christ cleanses us as we confess our sin. John clearly says that sin is not the, um, the fact that we have sin is not what's so upsetting because we all have sin. If you say you don't have sin, you deceive yourself. So the fact of our sin is not the big, big issue. It's our attitude towards it. And he urges his readers, don't say you don't have sin. Don't ignore it. Uh, instead, admit it and confess it. And in so doing, you'll walk in the light. You'll have fellowship with others and with God. And it's in confession that we experience the, uh, the forgiveness through the blood of Christ. And so I think John really echoes what Paul is saying and I think what Paul was feeling in that moment. That, yes, sin occurs and sin happens. And I'm not trying to make light of it. But I am saying this, that the fact of sin should not surprise us. We are sinners, and we sin by choice because we are sinners by nature. It's what we do about that sin that should be paramount to us. What is our attitude towards it? How do we confess it? Where do we turn, and how do we deal with it? That is what is of, of paramount importance. And so I would encourage you today, do not take lightly your sin don't act like you don't have any i shouldn't act like i don't have any we all do the the real issue is what will be your attitude about your sin and reaching back to this text that we're preaching from for the months of month of september paul says in light of that man's ongoing present tense unrepentant sin he says man they they should have a a uh, they should mourn they should have grief over what's happening 
in that man's life and as a result in that church's life. So I just want to encourage us. Let us take sin seriously. Let us be sorrowful about its effects both personally and corporately. And uh, let's mirror the attitude of both the Apostle Paul and the Apostle John. That yes, the fact of our sin is true, but our attitude about it is, quite frankly, the more important matter. Thanks again for joining today on this edition of the Extra Point Podcast. Glad to have you tuning in. I look forward to speaking with you next week as we talk more about 1 Corinthians 5 and the matter of church discipline.